Hello and welcome to the Kevin and Bay podcast. Today is Tuesday, June 21st. My name is Kevin Zhang and I'm joined by two special guests today. Um, first from Texas is my regular co-host, William Bay. Um, sorry for failing to post a podcast last week and validating all your predictions about the Cavs winning. Uh, but how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I think we are over the technical issues on this end, so we should be able to uh, come on regularly every week now. All right, sounds good. Glad you have Wi-Fi. Um, <laughs> additionally, also have NBA and conspiracy theory expert L.D. Liu. How are you doing, sir? Lita, I'm doing well, doing well. All right, great. Um, so we're going to try this three-person podcast thing Um with you in New York and Bay in Texas and me in DC. And we're going to see how this goes. So I guess the first thing is game seven happened. And to my dismay, Golden State actually lost to the Cavs. I still in shock. I can't believe that actually happened. Um, I know Bay, you predicted this. Uh, you picked Cavs in six before the series even started. So I guess. Do you want to recap a little bit and see? Uh, tell us how how Cleveland pulled this off? Because I I still don't even know. Um, you know, I think um, in the press conference, LeBron James really talked about um, after what was it, game three or game four? They're down three one. That uh, he talked about how they flipped, how he flipped the script, how he um, changed his mentality from being the distributor to being an attacker. Um, I think that was one of the big things. The other thing is that. Uh, I mean, Golden State finally saw the disadvantage of going small. Um, they kept getting attacked on the boards by Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson. All those extra possessions finally added up. And so I think combination of those two things and some others, like J.R. Smith finally hitting shots, um, really helped the Cavs solidify um, that turnaround and become the first team in the NBA Finals to overcome a 3-1 deficit. Yeah, I mean, Jared Smith hit shots in like two games, maybe. Um, he had a very emotional press conference after the win, though. Um, yeah, I feel so happy for Jr. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, happy, you're, yeah. you're following the Knicks. So, Jr. and Mon both have rings. What's Melo doing over there? He just smiles. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I saw the um, um, press conference. I, I feel so happy for Jr. Although, I really wanted Golden State to win. But, uh, Jr., yeah, I feel I feel so happy. Um. He's able to win one. So, LD, you're right, though, in that um, you said Game 7 would be called fairly. And, I mean, I think the refs stay out of the spotlight Game 7. is a very fair game. Yeah. Um, and even, like, the NBA's two-minute report, they reported zero missed calls out of 18 possible controversial things. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, I guess that further, further validates your theory that uh, the NBA rigged it to go to seven games. Well, my point was NBA wanted a Game 7. So once it gets to seven, um, once it gets to game seven, there's really no point to uh, to favor any other team. But uh, Although, I don't want to really go more into that because I would just sound like a sore loser. I mean, they uh, um, Golden State they didn't score in the last five minutes. Both teams, I mean, to be honest, both teams choked till Kyrie hit that three. Um, every every team had like all the times in the world to make plays, but um, nobody scored, you know, for the longest time. Until when Kyrie hit that three, I think, um, you know, I don't want to, you know, want to take anything away from the Cavs, but um, it just seems like they wanted more. I don't know. Just to my to my eye test, they they look like they wanted more. 
Yeah, I gotta say, this is the first time... Oh, go ahead. No, 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 boss, you go ahead. I just want to say, this is the first time where I might actually agree with Skip Bayless on something, in that I felt like LeBron James... Just stop stop there, stop there. (laughs) But you know how Skip Bayless (laughs) always says, you know, this team wanted it more, that team wanted it more. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. They're in the NBA Finals. They both, both teams obviously want to win. Um, but to me, I was watching the series and just like watching LeBron, you know, 110%, you know, um, going after the chase down block from Iguodala, which is like defies the laws of physics, you know, I was just, he was just, he was just hungrier and Golden State, um, we're still, you know, playing lackluster, turning the ball over here and there, not just like errant passes, you know, um, that's been the mentality of this Golden State team all along. If you, I mean, Steve Kerr said at the very, very beginning of this you know, the playoffs, um, he said the thing that's going to trouble us uh, is going to be turnovers. If we can cut that down, we're good. Um, I wouldn't say that the Cavs were hungrier because, I mean, like you said, this is the NBA. Like, if you're not motivated to win a championship, you shouldn't be at this stage at all. Um, my thing was I think you finally saw that um, what a healthy team can do because I don't think Steph Curry was 100%. Um, I'm not saying that that should be an excuse, but you could definitely tell he was a lot slower. Um, I don't know if the shoulder or the knee were bothering him, but, I mean, the Cavaliers were at full strength, and, I mean, that's what happens when you have that healthy team. You're just able to last longer than the other guys. Yeah, I mean, Steph Curry definitely did not look like he had the same lateral movement, but he didn't make any excuses throughout the series. Um, Golden State, like, no excuses. Bogey was out. Iguodala's hurt, Jeremy Green suspended, but you know, they, they didn't blame the injuries or the, um, technical foul situation. Yeah, I mean, they, they can only blame themselves. It was a tight game. Like, they didn't score a single basket the last five minutes. Anybody on that team could, could have made a play. Uh, actually, just to make my point earlier, like, just one instance when Steph Curry made a, like, behind the back, he was trying to be cute in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And without a turnover, like, you can't just tell. I mean, I think I agree with Skip. Like for once, I also agree with Leader that they just they just wanted more. Like those guys, um, obviously start with LeBron. He he's the leader on that team. But you know, Kevin Love, everybody played well. I mean, before the series starts, their backcourt is J.R. Smith and Kyrie Irving against Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Like Golden State is the, like the, one of the greatest offensive teams in the history, and you have Kyrie Irving and J.R. Smith playing defense. You know, spending majority of time playing defense. Um, they also had Kevin Love. I mean, if you just look at the, just look at those two teams on paper. You know, nobody, nobody would have predicted this one. They were, especially when Golden State were up three one. Yeah. Um, so I mean, they, they just. I mean, I guess you could make a case. You know, game five, game six. You know, five Dreamer was suspended. Game six, obviously the cause favored Golden State, but they had every opportunity to win game seven. Um, but they didn't. And it was a tie game for once. Um, nobody made any plays with with five minutes, and they were taking those. Um, Steph and Clay, you know, they were shooting those long. You know, they were, they were taking those threes that they be making all season. Mm-hmm. Just didn't go in. Just didn't go in. I think it's time to play the really fun game of people and their legacies now. LD, <laughs> I know we were talking about this briefly before, but uh, LeBron James delivered on his promise to bring that ring back to Cleveland. Uh, bring a title to Cleveland. He's now three for four in the finals and the finals MVP. Where where do you think he stands among the all time greats now? And how would that differ if he had lost Game Seven? I think before I mean if he 
I think with the, with this win, I would put him top three. Um, I know a lot of people would disagree with me. Um, although I'm like I'm not a huge LeBron, LeBron fan myself, but Golden State is an all-time great team. Um, you know they were down three-one, um, and they put they put off the comeback. Um, just that just shows LeBron's leadership. So I, I would put him um, top three. I don't know you know how many players are out there. You know, with this Cavs roster, would would have beat this Golden State team. So who who are who are one and two? I I mean, obviously, Michael Jordan is number one. I mean, it's it's I don't know. There's no like clear two. I mean, I haven't really thought about it, but I wouldn't put LeBron number two yet. I feel like he hasn't. You know, there, there's just so many other great players um, out there. It's it's really hard for me to just. You know, give him like, you know, the second spot with so many other great players. Okay, but he wouldn't. Then, he wouldn't yeah, be I top mean, three if he lost. Def, uh, definitely not. I, I mean, he would still be top ten. But you know, if he, <clears throat> if he, if he lost, um, I guess I don't know. Like, if he lost like four one, or he get he got swept, definitely would, it would really hurt his legacy. But the way he's been playing, I mean, if. You know, if it's game seven, they lost, They barely lost. Um, I don't know. But with the win, for sure, like, he, he elevated his legacy. I mean, it's hard to just put a number like top three, top four, top five. But he he definitely elevated his legacy by winning the championship. And, and you, you can tell, like, he's really emotional. He's on Father's Day. And, you know, Cleveland hasn't won anything in 52 years. Um, this one means them a lot to him. And this one really cemented his legacy. Yeah. Do you have any opinions, Will? Um, you know, I don't think it would have hurt his legacy if he had lost. I think Jerry West said it best. I mean, Jerry West went one, one for nine in the finals, and we still, and he's the logo. Like we still consider him a great player. So, if LeBron would have lost the finals, I don't think it would have hurt his legacy. Um, in terms of the win, though, I think. This is one of the finals we'll always remember, not because of who they're, you know, this new, I guess, Magic Bird rivalry that we have in Steph and LeBron, but the, you know, the fact that, like LD said, that this is the first championship for the city of Cleveland in Northeast Ohio um, in about 50 years. So it means a lot to them. Um, in terms of his legacy, I would say he's still not in the top five players of all time. I mean, you still have, you know, Bill Russell with 11 championships, um, you know, Michael Jordan, six, Kareem, the greatest scorer of all time, um, Oscar Robertson, a man who averaged a triple-double. Um, so there are still some great players. I think he is, you know, one of the elites, but I still wouldn't put him in my top five just because of, who's come before and all the pantheon of great champions we've had and just great individuals. But you just listed your top five merit based off championships. He's a Bill Russell 11, Michael Jordan with six. So you're saying if LeBron James had won the seven rings, if he went, you know, seven and no in these finals, then he would be in the conversation above MJ and stuff? I think so. Um, you know, we do. It, it sucks that we do have to put, you know, we use championships as, uh, I guess, as the uh, bare, you know, the, I guess, the metric. 
because there have been some great players who've only won one championship or who haven't won any. But like you said, Kevin, that's the standard that everybody uses. And so until LeBron wins maybe two more, mm-hmm. um, which I think he's capable of because he's still got five, six years left in his career. I mean, he's still um, got five, six of the good years. And then he could be like, you know, that passes prime player for some team chasing he, rings for once. You never know. Yeah, LeBron is a businessman. So. Yeah, because he's locked so many minutes being not only, you know, the last draft with high school guys, but, you know, playing in the Olympic teams, playing for Team USA. He's got a lot of minutes on him. But all like Shaq stuck around way past his prime. He had the rings. Um, he had everything. He's a businessman, too. But he still played, you know, that year with the Cavs, that year with the Celtics. It's just hard to hard to call it quits, you know, especially when you're so good. Well, yeah, because, I mean, that's a part of their identity. It, um, there's a theory in sports science. It's called the it's called the do-to-death theory, the idea that um, sports player, all sports players die twice, when they retire and then when they actually die, because that identity is so much a part of who they are, they don't know how to adjust after. Um, you know, the successful guys like Jamal Mashburn, Shaq, Magic Johnson, they had something going on during their career that they could transition to. But we do see, you know, a lot of times these guys try to hang on because they don't know anything else but the sport that they're involved with. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, just um, being a competitor at that high level for that long time, it's, you know, that is their life. And it's like, hey, if I woke up tomorrow and didn't have work to go to, you know, like, what, what do I do with that time now? Absolutely. So, Lito, what would you put LeBron after the win? <laughs> so, you have convinced me that championships do indeed matter. They shouldn't be the only thing. People shouldn't say Michael Jordan's the greatest just because he has six rings, but winning a ring definitely does help cement his legacy. And, you know, just like grinding, coming back from 3-1 just shows how much LeBron wanted it and like how great a competitor he was. I would, I, I would say he's my top five, I think. Who else do you cool. have in your top five? Cool. So I think I'm the only one who overreacted, overreact, put him top three. No, I mean, he's a great player. I think, I think a lot of people failed to, what a lot of people failed to realize, you know, how Le- I mean, I don't like, I don't really like LeBron. And I think like a lot of people, you know, don't think LeBron is that great. I think for two reasons. One, uh, one being, you know, his his game doesn't look that pretty. You know, um, you know, if you look look at Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, their their moves are so smooth. But compared to LeBron, like when he dribbles like a crab, <laughs> his game doesn't look that you know beautiful to um, beautiful to watch. The second thing is, you know, unlike Kobe, unlike Michael Jordan, where in the fourth quarter. You know, a lot of times they would just take over. Well, but what LeBron does, you know, LeBron doesn't have like a like a go-to signature offensive move. You know, he he kind of like you know, kind of like to drive in and kick it out. That's kind of that's kind of his um. That's what he does the best. So when when you know fourth quarter when the game gets tight, um, you know, a lot of times he defers. You know, he makes the right basketball play by passing to an open teammate. Um, but does that really? Um, you know, he passed it to an open guy. But if you, if you are, you know, a historic like a top five player in the history of the game, you know, 
he just passed. He just passes too much, and a lot of people, you know, I think a lot of people just don't give him as much credit as he deserves because of those two things. I think, but I mean, he does everything else. Literally, he does everything else on the court. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would agree that the aesthetics part isn't there, and that could hinder him.、Um, I think the finals record would have been really bad if he went two and five, but yeah, he could have. He could have easily won one and six.、Uh, oh yeah, Spurs won. Say my top five. I go MJ, Magic, Wilt, Hakeem, and LeBron. Hakeem, a homer pick. Hakeem's a great player. Yeah, I know he's a great. He's definitely a top five center, but I mean, I, I think he's think underrated I because he didn't get to play with a great coach like MJ did with Phil Jackson. He played and won with Rudy Tomjanovich, who is a mediocre coach at best. Do you think so? I mean, I think he's a great coach, especially with the coaches at that time. Did you see what happened after he came like declined? So there's a Steve Francis led Houston Rockets, and we all know where that went. And then I'm pretty sure he went to coach like the Lakers or something, and like that just went terribly. And well, I mean, look at who's coached the Lakers since you know after Phil Jackson left. He had Rudy T, right?、Mm-hmm. He has other bums, and then Phil Jackson had to come back, and they were successful again. So it's not like everybody succeeded. In L.A., only Phil Jackson did. Okay. Um, maybe it's probably some Homer because you know I'm from Houston and those are the championship years. But、um, you were just too humble. <laughs> I don't know. It's my top five list, right? I can put whoever won in there. Yeah, for me, I mean, it's for me, it's like it's kind of hard because I never watched them play. You know, I seen Kobe, I seen LeBron play, but you know those old players, you never seen them play. So I mean. It's it's hard for someone like as young as us to just put top five players of all time. It, this is it's just too hard to do it. For sure,、oh, you guys got to go to YouTube. Go watch Bob Cousy, David、Tap、Cowens, you know,、uh, Bob McAdoo. Nah, go to YouTube and watch the film. I mean, I've watched highlights of、um, all the way back to like the eighties. I watched highlights of like Bird and McHale and like Isaiah Thomas、um, and Magic and Kareem, but like. <laughs> It just feels different, you know. Like there are like so many details. Like for this year's final, there's so many drama. Like, like ten、uh, years from now, I don't know how many people are gonna remember. Like, you know, the Draymond suspension in Game Five that you know just totally changed the momentum of the series. Like a lot of details will be left out. I mean, obviously you watch the game. That's you know you watch the game, you watch the game. But I, I think it'll just be different. Even if you just go back to watch all the films as much as you can. Um, there, there will still be a lot of things that are left out that you know, twenty years ago people know, but now nobody, nobody, people just know this guy won't. But, but how? You know. Right.、Um, I think the next question we should tackle is how do you rate this Golden State season? Because Kevin, you and I talked about it. What it does it like? What's more important, winning a championship or getting the res- regular season record?、Um, so, how would you rate this Golden State season? Are you trying to play that what if game? As in, like, what if they rested and didn't go for seventy-three wins and ended with the title? What would be a greater success? 
Well, I mean, how would you, like, I mean, where where do you put this team? Like, all time? You know, I think of this team as, like, the 07 Patriots, 2001 Mariners, <laughs> teams that, you know, got, had amazing regular season success. Mm-hmm. Um, each of them has the record, I think, for all-time wins. Mm-hmm. Um, in their respective sports, but they didn't win championships, right? But, and if that's the metric that we use um, for success, then how, I mean, what do we say about this season? But see, you just pulled out those those names by heart because <clears throat> you everyone already knows those teams as historically great teams. They just happen to fall just short, you know? So do you think it's more of like a wrong place, wrong time kind of thing? With the teams they ran into, I don't think it's the wrong place, wrong time. I mean, I think Cleveland deserved to win. They they beat them fair and square. Um, you think you think they did? I mean, like you said, like the only thing you can possibly blame is like a Draymond Green injury, right? But that they put onto themselves by you know putting themselves I in mean, situation. I mean, if, if let's say this, if the series, if the Golden State were down three to one, would Draymond get suspended? Yes. Would the NBA? Because the, the NBA didn't suspend him. The NBA, all they did was um, they yeah, elevated yeah, him a flagrant foul. one. That's correct. Right. That's they, correct. All they did was elevate his foul to a flagrant one, and because of the accumulation of flagrant fouls, he was suspended. So, so it's guess, not like the NBA was, went Le, out Le, and suspended him. LeBron, LeBron pushed him down, tried to step over him. But and the he, fact he is that... Tried to swipe LeBron. The I don't fact think is, is that this guy has a track record of this, so he has to. You can't just let that stuff keep going. At some and point, he's going to be punished. Well, back in the um, OKC series, Dante Jones, Dante Jones. I don't know if you, you guys know, but he got suspended for, you know, hitting someone. I, I forgot which player, grown area, and he got suspended. Yep, and Draymond Green straight up kicked Adam. In the grown area, and he did not—he did not get suspended. So, I mean, Dante Jones, this guy, this guy—I mean, let's be honest, you know, he's an NBA player, but he doesn't have any impact for the Cavs team. LD, he, he came out clutch in Game Six. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, and he also—he also only got eight, fine eighty eighty dollars, eighty dollars. I, I could have paid that fine. <laughs> the NBA was trying to send a message to players that you know. You gotta play it safe. You can't do that on the court. But then the very next day, Draymond does that. No suspension. Only because Golden State were done. And then th- that happened in the finals, game five. There was no foul called on the play. No foul was called on the play. Two players were falling down. No call. No foul was called on the play. But then the NBA took another look after the game and decided, you know, to give Draymond Green a technical foul. Which means suspension. Or a flagrant, but yeah. Yeah, sorry. A flagrant. NBA has the right to do that. I mean, like, yes, like you has, said, uh-huh. like you said, the the first incident when he kicked Adams, um, when he was fined, uh, I mean, that was, I think, his grace period. That was, okay, don't do this again. But when you see it again in the finals, this guy hasn't learned his lesson. You have to... You have to do something about that. You can't I disagree. Tolerate. Can I say something? After he kicked Adams, he, he did a couple other kicks in the OKC series. Nothing, 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 nothing came his way. 
He, he did uh, a couple other kicks. Nothing as severe as that, though. He didn't. He didn't stop there. I mean, the the swipe he did on LeBron. LeBron pushed him down, tried to walk over him. There's nothing flagrant. There's nothing flagrant about that play. I mean, he still intentionally took a swipe. You know. What do you in want the growing area? Like a guy, a guy pushed you down, stepped over you. What do you want him to do? I mean, I don't swipe there. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> I push him, but. Um, well, which yeah. swipe? You trying to get up? You were on the floor. You were trying to get up. Oh no! Well, it's Draymond Green has a knack for hitting people in the nuts. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think he, knew, I think he knew what he's doing. I mean, really, like Draymond. I mean, why? <laughs> Obviously, like. Draymond, you know, he's, you know, it's he's, he obviously had to take some responsibility because, you know, you know, you'd one technical, well, one flagrant foul away. You shouldn't just, you should just, you know, swallow it. Whatever LeBron does, even if LeBron puts on a knife and stab you, you should swallow <laughs> it, and not retaliate. Because NBA, I mean, LeBron doesn't have any flagrant. He can't just do whatever, and he's if he if you just retaliate a little bit, NBA just give you each a uh, flagrant foul. I mean, LD, I'll agree with you that that looks pretty bad, but I want to believe in my heart that the league would have suspended him regardless of the situation the series was in. So if, if they down 3-1, they would still suspend him. I mean, yeah, they would still give him a flagrant. Yeah, I mean, this, this is the, I mean, nobody knows. Yeah, you know, this is another what-if game. It's just like, at, if you look at all the, all the stuff that has happened, you know, they're not, there's no consistency. And, uh, we we can all agree on that, right? There's no consistency. I agree on that. Yeah, and you know, whatever the inconsistency happens, it always it seems like they try to prolong the series. Uh, so, do you have a solution? I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no solution. Do you have a way of quanti- quantifying, I, I, like, I hey, think- one one punch the nuts is this many games suspension, this much fine. You know, one kick to the face is this or something like that. I mean, it's 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 hard. I mean, I I believe Le, it's LeBron. Like after the game, LeBron's camp or whatever they 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 wanted Draymond Green to get suspended for two games. Um. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I think Bill Simmons said it. Like, if game four, you know, it it, it got out of control, um, Draymond's got to be careful. You know. Like he said, he wouldn't be surprised if some Cavs fans intentionally try to provoke Draymond, um, mm. and if Draymond ever retaliate, um, you know he will get he will get uh, he he receive a flagrant. Um, so, I mean, obviously Draymond was at fault there as well. He shouldn't retaliate at all, but to give him a a flagrant after, I mean, there was no foul called on that play, and both players were clearly down on the floor. Um, I think giving him a, a flagrant was uh, was was not was not needed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's over now. Um, they had all the chances they can. They they have every chance to win Game Seven. They didn't. But uh, but I just want to reiterate I, Will's point that I think that swipe Draymond had against LeBron alone was not enough to warrant a flagrant. But just looking at his history and his, you know, knack for being a dirty player and hitting people, you know, after the play, that played into it. Kind of like whenever, you know, Ron Artest 
would like elbow people and stuff, and he would get fined and suspended for like minor things that other players might not be suspended for. That's just because Ron Artest has a history of elbowing people. Um, so, you okay. know, I said be careful. I mean, I, I can't respect that, but speaking of track record, what do you think um, Steph Curry uh, committed six fouls in game six? Is he known <laughs> like a, a player that fouls a lot, or is he just the refs, some of the calls are un, unjustified? I think they were just trying to control the physicality. Like you said earlier, um, the physicality of the game, of the previous games, got out of control, and so the refs were pretty tight with the whistle. But it's up to the players to adjust to that. Um, it's not like – I'm not going to say some of those fouls shouldn't have been called because a lot of them were ticky-tack. But if you know that's how the game is going to be called, you need to adjust as a player. So I put that more on Steph Curry, knowing, needing to know the type of game and the situation that you're in. You can't foul out in a game like that um, – for your team, especially when you're as valuable as he is. Okay, I I can I can agree to that. But the Cavs they were clearly coming at Steph Curry. Um, they they you know try to attack him every time. Um, and right, and that's a perfect game plan. I yeah, mean, I, I call that a smart he, game plan. Yeah, like he's not that's, a very good defender. Kevin and I have talked about this before. If we had to pick a per a player on our team, Kevin goes with Steph Curry. I go with LeBron because he plays both ends. Um, it's not, you know, it's not the Cavs' fault that Steph Curry is, um, you know, a thin, frail guy. And you know, I applaud Ty Lue for putting that game plan in of, okay, we're going to run every screen through Steph Curry, wear him down physically, and just beat the crap out of him. But yeah. I think I believe there was a stat that just went on defense. Just in the finals, um, Steph Curry did fine. Like he, I think there was a stat. I, I mean, I'm I'm not too sure the exact you know percentage, but just Steph Curry playing one on one defense, um, he did. He, he stood to his ground, you know, throughout the seven game series. Maybe one particular game he kind of got, you know, bullied around, but throughout the, the entire finals, he did fine. Uh, well, one on one defense isn't the problem. It's the fact that he's he's getting screened by you know. All these big guys, whether that's LeBron screening or that's uh, Tristan Thompson or Kevin Love, like running into a bunch of screens like that, especially when some of them are blind sides, um, it takes your toll, takes a toll on you um, through the game. And I think that's really what happened at times. And so when he did switch on to mismatches like LeBron, he just couldn't hold his ground because he'd been worn out. I think what basically is like it also affects his offensive game, right? Because he's tired, tired from running around over the place, chasing screens. On defense, so he's not going to be as uh, have enough as as much energy on the offensive end to run through all the screens and make cuts and you know take control of the offensive side. Exactly. Yeah, but I, I'm sure the Cavs they're not the first team to do that to to Steph Curry. Everybody's been saying you know you gotta you gotta make Steph Curry work on the on the other end as well. But um, I guess just coming back to the six fouls he committed. In Game Six, um, he committed six fouls, and when I went back and looked, you know, look at some of the fouls, I would say, you know, at least like three fouls were kind of, you know, because we're talking about playoff, playoff basketball, right? We're not talking about a preseason game. We're talking about a playoff basketball, where, you know, everybody knows this, you know. 
in the playoffs, especially in the fourth quarter, um, you know, you let them play. Like, people get away with murder. Like, OKC Spurs series, where, uh, what's his name? Just straight up elbowed. Is it Dion Waiters? Just straight up elbowed, like, Ginobili's face. Just right in front of the ref. And ref didn't call foul. So, but I, mean, I think so it's well, a little different. We've never seen anything like that. I, I you know, a lot of the, the refs on that play were just like, I didn't know what to call. Like, what are you, what are you calling that? A technical, offensive foul? It's just, that's a confusing play. I mean, I agree with you that some of the calls were iffy on Steph Curry, but again, I go back to the point that it's up to him to understand what kind of game is being played. Yes, it is the playoffs. Yes, there should be, um, a little more physicality, but if you know the ref is gonna, is really tight on his whistle, he's gonna blow it on anything, you need to adjust to that. You need to figure out how to, um, how to play your game with the kind of refereeing that's happening. So that's still on. I just, I just don't see no reason, um, why the refs would call so many fouls on a two-time MVP. You know, it's not like the game, like you said, you know, sometimes the game was getting out of control, you know. A lot of physicality happened, you know, players really getting into it. It's about to get out of control. You know, then it makes sense, you know. If you, you know, someplace, you know, the, the guy was clearly being trying to be dirty. And, you know, you try to control, you know, control the emotions of both both sides, then fine. But game six, not really. They were just playing basketball. And in the fourth quarter, when Golden State was trying to make a run, the, the, the steel step had on Kyrie Irving. I, I believe they were down by nine or something. Um, you know, if you had that steel going the other way, it would be a layup. Um, it's just a little bit weird to me that the refs just showed the two-time MEP no respect uh, by giving him six fouls. I... You know, and some of the fouls are just really, you know, just touching fouls. But then you look at other great players, for example, LeBron James. He plays pretty physical defense. When was the last time he, he committed six fouls in a game? Not to say in the fourth quarter in the finals game. You know. Um, and then, you know, God knows when was the last time Steph Curry uh, committed six fouls. And then this is the NBA finals, you know, fourth quarter playoff basketball. If you're going to call those, you know, touchy fouls on, you know, on the two-time MVP, I mean, how, how is he supposed to play defense? You know, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, when you have five fouls, you really, you really can't play defense, you know. You got to play, you know, really passively on defense. There are a lot of things, you you know, you could be doing with no fouls. You can't do it anymore because you, you have a lot of fouls. I mean, if Steph Curry or the entire Golden State team plays like that, you already lost the game. You can't really play defense if you know everything you do, the ref is going to call the foul on you. you. You already lost an edge, you know, if you if we play like that. Yeah, I agree with you that a few of the calls on Steph, like two or three of them, were questionable at best. They were like tic-tac fouls. And that as a player, you can't be like, okay, Steph, you have, you know, five fouls. So, you know, um, you know, the refs are calling it. So just back away because like LD said, then you're just not playing defense. Um, so you can't, you can't have that either. I mean, Otherwise, you know, LeBron's just going to score every time down the field because you're like, oh, I can't pick up my sixth foul, you know. So but you have I, to know that as a player. You, I mean, I'm just going back to you have to know the time and situation. Yes, you have five fouls. Yes, you're not able to do as much, but you need to find a way to stay on the floor. That sixth foul, look, we can argue whether it's a foul or not, but, I mean, under the definition, it is, 
right? That's my I'm biggest issue about, with it. I'm not talking about just file number six. I'm talking about all the files leading up to that as well. Right. I mean, so I, like I said, two or three of them may not have been caused, but if you know that's how the game is going to be officiated, you need to adjust to that. It's up to you as a player to figure out how to operate in a situation like that. Yeah, does it take away from your defense? Yes, it does, but it also takes away from the Cleveland defense as well because you know that it, the potential that calls could go the same way as well. My biggest issue with it, and I've said this a couple of times before, is under the rules – those are technically fouls. Like the NBA, like basketball is by nature a contact sport. But the NBA has it where if you touch someone anywhere, anytime, it's technically a foul. So refs have, have the ability to call a foul literally every single possession. And, you know, it can be justified. Like anytime you jump, oh, it's over the back. You know, they reach over him. Anytime you, you touch someone, oh, it was a shooting foul. You know, you can't hit him while they're in the shooting motion. Um, I just think that the NBA needs to change its rules a little bit so that it allows for like minimal contact. I think you can do that I mean, and I, still... I think game 7, the game 7 was a perfect example. The three refs did a very good job. Um, like, I mean, like, to be honest, like, Steph had a lot of really aggressive defensive plays in, a, in, in game 7. Like, those could be easily called. Like, he could have easily had, like, 12 fouls. If, if the game was ref, like, game 6, he could easily have 12 fouls. Like, he was being really, really aggressive on defense in game 7. But the refs did a very good job in Game 7. I just don't understand why couldn't they do it in Game 6. And, and I don't, um, like, um, Will, like you said, um, you think Steph should know, you know, the timing, you know, he, uh, you know, uh, how, you know, how he should approach him when playing defense. But I don't think this one is on Steph. I mean, as a player, you, you, you always just got to, you know, go out and play. If you're not 100%, you know, why, why, why be on, being on the court? Uh, plus, like, some fouls were really, I mean, I would be really frustrated. I don't think we should, we should put this one on Steph, uh, at all. I think, I mean, I'm not putting it on him. I'm just saying that he needs to, I'm not saying that it's his fault. I'm just saying that once you know that that's what's going on in the game, once you've picked up a certain amount of fouls, you need to understand that, hey, this is what's happening. I need to adjust to this somehow. I agree, but I think that the the bigger problem is that he shouldn't have to be in that middle, you know, mindset where he's like, oh, they're calling it, you know, they're well, I mean, calling a lot of fouls players, today. So all players have to do that. So if you see that being called on Steph Curry, you as LeBron James have to know the same thing. Hey, there's the potential for this. I'm not saying it can happen. I'm just saying you need to be aware that this could happen to you. Hmm. Yeah, the reason I, I mean, I was not very happy with the ref in Game Six. It not just doesn't just really apply to Steph. Um, I, I just I I was talking to Kevin about this. Um, it almost seems like whenever Golden State make a run, the refs blew the whistle on Cavs' favor. Like at um, at the end of second quarter, when Draymond Green, uh, when Dante Jones, the great Dante Jones, um, came up came out to play with like a minute left, he scored five points. Um, within like a minute, um, you know how he did that. Um, if you go back, he drew he drew two fouls on Draymond Green. Draymond was a good, you know, a good defender. He drew two fouls on Draymond Green. One one was an end one, um, and then the other one was when Draymond was trying to grab an offensive rebound. Um, Draymond cr- cr- uh, committed an over the back foul. With they the Cavs even a penalty, so 
So they just go the other way, shoot two free throws. So basically, he scored five points under the minute. Um, and I, I, I was watching the game. I mean, those two fouls. And Golden State was making a run at the, at the end of second quarter. Golden State was making a run. You know, they cut the lead a little bit, slowly chipping away the lead. And Dante Jones came up, scored five huge points. And those two fouls committed by Draymond, I don't know if you guys still remember, but I went back in to watch it. Those were not. Those were not. I mean, you, I guess you could call them fouls because there was like a little bit of contact, but you can't you can't call that foul in, in a playoff game. I mean, well, you call that a foul. Then. The over back was definitely um, a foul because Dante Jones has the right to that position, and I mean Draymond Green basically tried to barrel through him, so that was definitely a foul. Uh, I don't know. I just like I understand where you're coming from, uh, LD. I just think there's just I don't know. It's just too much conspiracy for me behind it. You know what I mean? I, I just think that what happened happened, and I mean we just have to live with the results. It's nothing like you know going back in time. What yeah, would've... yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like I said, Golden State have every chance to win Game Seven. They didn't. So, but uh, I guess my point was, um, you know, Game Six, the official reason definitely helped cap. I'm not saying, you know. I mean, I think the NBA tried to help, but obviously people think, obviously, you know, we don't know. Like, I could say, you know, there's a conspiracy in every game, but, you know, can't, can't really prove it. Um, but I, I do think the point I want to make is, you know, the Draymond suspension in Game 6, the refs, they, let, let's just say this, they, 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 they were favoring the, the Cavs. Do you all agree that? I mean, I'm not on the conspiracy theory bandwagon, and yeah. I just I just recently found out that the NBA itself doesn't actually make a single extra cent from extra games. Uh, some like the television networks, like ESPN and ABC, do, but um, the NBA, like as a company, doesn't profit. So that just right, like they sell the rights to the TV companies. Yeah. To pro- to broadcast that stuff. I mean, I just think it's impossible to for refs in real time to get every single call right. And yeah, yeah sometimes it goes the Warriors, sometimes it goes one team's way, sometimes it goes another team's way. Um, game six, yeah, I would agree with you that Cavs got, you know, better calls than the Warriors did. Yeah, maybe, maybe the refs just were super unlucky because to me, it seems like whenever Golden State tried to make a wrong, the, the refs, they made a bad call. Maybe they were just unlucky. I well, mean, my question, it's a game of runs. There's always going to be runs one way or another. Um, here's my question then. So what do y'all think about the two minute reports then? that have been coming out for the referees, do you think, I mean, obviously it'll continue, but do you like them or do you not like them? I think it, uh, this is just a joke. I mean, the game is over. The, like, you could you could say, you, you know, you blew 20 calls, it doesn't matter. The game is over. No, I think it matters a lot. It shows the coaches how they're calling things and the reason behind calling them. And so they'll say, oh, uh, they will come out and say, oh, this over back was wrong because... You know, originally uh-huh. in that case, we can't call this. And now Coach Pop can be like, oh, hey guys, so now we know if you do this in this circumstance in the future, this should not be called a foul, right? Do you think, I mean, once a, a foul is called, it's not like if you, you can talk them out of it. No, it's not. It's not for the previous game. Right, it's, it's for, for the next game. It's for the future. I see what you mean. But the next game, you know, if Rex, Ref makes a bad call again, it's not like, you know, a coach can just go over and say, this happened three games ago, and this happened. Well, it's also used as training purposes for the refs. You know, 
the the refs have have training and the NBA is like, hey, look at this and look at this. And we have these reasons why you should be calling this in this situation. I just so, don't like I just don't like the two minute reports because, like you said earlier, Kevin, basketball is one of the hardest uh, sports to officiate. Number one because of the contact. Number two because it's all real time. It's not like football where you take a break um, occasionally or soccer where you're only keeping an eye on a couple things and you've got dozens of linesmen, you know. Um, basketball, there's only three refs and everything is happening in real time. So it's all bang, bang kind of plays. Um, I just feel bad for these refs that these two minute reports are coming out because um, essentially what the NBA, like I understand the transparency part after the whole Tim Donahue thing, but um, it really puts a lot of pressure on these refs. And now, uh, you know, certain fans can go out there and be like, hey, see, look, we would have won the game if the refs would have done this right. I well, just feel bad for them. I personally love the two-minute reports. Um, I think that, one, the more transparency, the better, because then uh, there's a good amount of conspiracy theorists out there, and you can only help that by, you know, being as transparent as possible and be like, hey, guys, we're really trying here. We're genuinely trying to be fair. And look at all these things we're doing, right? So I'm a fan of transparency. And secondly, I think Adam Silver made a great point when he said that this really goes to prove that 90% of the time, the refs get it right. You know, uh, we have these two-minute reports, and we'll say, like, out of the 20 times, uh, they missed two calls. That means they got 18 correct. So, I mean, really, they're doing a great job. And it's just a, impossible to get every single one right, you know? Right, definitely, definitely. I just, I just feel bad for the refs at times, like, because... If we see a two-minute report where it was a potential play that could have changed things, people will be like, oh, see, look, they're doing a terrible job. When a lot of these times, like you said, these refs are doing um, great jobs in a sport that's so difficult to officiate. Yeah, uh, I mean, I agree. But the, the two-minute report also gives a lot of salty fans a chance to come out and, uh, you know, talk. Wait, so, LD, are you in favor or do you not like the two-minute report? I mean... I, I don't dislike it. I don't really see a point because the game is over. I, I mean, if, you know, if a team lost and then, you know, five calls were unfavorable to two of them the last two minutes, they, they lost the game. There's no remake. Um, but maybe they were, I mean, I don't know. Behind the scenes, maybe the refs were using that as, you know, training purposes. So they won't make the, the same mistake down the line. That I don't know. But, I mean, to me, the game is over. It doesn't matter if how many... Foul calls, the ref got it wrong, the game is over. Right, we agree that the game is over, and whether or not they show a two-minute report afterwards, the results of the previous game are not going to change. Um, and your reason is because of that, it doesn't matter. But my reasoning is it, it matters a lot, because now refs, coaches, players know how that should be officiated in the future. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Like um, We were just talking about that San Antonio um, Thunder series. The um, Dion Waiters foul. Like, if we didn't have the two minute report, um, us as fans, the players, the coaches, they wouldn't under, like, they wouldn't have known what exactly happened. It took the NBA a couple of days to kind of review it and figure out, okay, these were the violations here. So I think, um, yes, it can be a training tool. I just don't like that. Um, I just don't like the fact that, like, it's like throwing the rest under the bus. Exactly. I think that's the feeling I get at times. Like, I understand, obviously, we do need to keep the officiating at the top. But, I mean, 90% of the time is better than, you know, some of the other leagues. 
I mean, the draft is Thursday. I'd like to talk a little bit about that. I wanted to talk about Stephen A. Smith and how he's incorrectly predicted six straight NBA Finals. Yes. Well, that's, just a, that's just another fool on a soapbox. You, Skip Bayless, <laughs> what is it, Colin Cowher, all these fools. That, there's no such thing as an expert. Like Charles Barkley says, God is the only expert. I mean, just like, based on statistics alone, what what is that? Fifty percent chance for six straight years, like that's pretty improbable. It's, it's if hard you, to if you flip a coin. If you off. flip a coin, you would you would predict some of the finals correctly. And this guy, so called NBA expert, comes in here and incorrectly predicts six straight finals. I mean, that's I mean that's just the nature of the business, dude. I just I just thought it was really funny. Um, it's like picking a winner at the golf tournaments. One guy out of like a bajillion. No, no, no. It's one out of two. There's only two possibilities. Yeah, but there's so many human elements to these games. It's just so hard. I mean, um, this year I don't blame him. I, I mean, I just <laughs> going to say 73 win team. Um, they were up three one. I mean, it's that's fair. I I think the Warriors this year too. Um, this year I don't blame him. I, I guess in, in a year. Um, I mean, the Spurs the. the the two years Spurs and the Cavs played each other. I think it was just unlucky. I mean, um, I guess for Steven, he's just unlucky. <laughs> I, I think he knows basketball. He's just unlucky. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I just think he's a loudmouth, but that's just me. Uh, so, Bay, you want to touch on the NBA draft? Well, yeah, because like the next time we come back on, the draft will be over. That's true. Draft is this Thursday. Is this that correct? Thursday. Yeah, Ben Simmons just got announced, or they just announced that Ben Simmons is going to be number one pick. The 76ers told him. Do you want to touch on if you feel it's like a good pick or bad pick for them, and what they're going to do with that clump of power forwards they have there? Yeah, yeah. Because hey, isn't Sark? I don't know if this is true or not, but Sark is supposed to come next year, right? Dario Sark. People keep saying that. Um, I haven't heard it confirmed by anyone. Yeah, because I know the 76ers don't want to pay, don't want to buy him out. So, mm. but yeah, honestly, I don't think the draft really starts till like the third pick, because you know it's going to be Simmons Ingram. After that, who the hell knows what's going to happen? So Boston's pick number three. Do you still think they're going to trade that pick? I think so. I think Danny Ainge wants to get a big guy, and the big guy I think he's going to try to get is Demarcus Cousins. Oh, that's juicy. Interesting. I think they have enough assets to to go get him, and I think Demarcus wants a new like a change of scenery. Yeah, how many picks does Celtics have? Like they they, just, they have like half of the pick. They have three in the so top twenty three, and then they have five second round picks this draft. They have five second round picks. Yeah, so they've got eight picks. You the literally cannot the- pay that many players, even if you draft them all. Right, that's the problem. They're trying to consolidate the picks and trying to get a big guy. Um, I wouldn't mind Okafor going over there either. Um, I think Okafor would be a great fit. They for, need, for they need like a defensive anchor, which he is not. But I mean, they need they need a guy. They just need a guy to throw to at the block. Exactly. Just, I, I don't think know, man. Okafor had a fight with the Celtics fan earlier this year. Yeah, he's just a young guy. <laughs> yeah, I think you just need a guy you can toss it to. And be like, hey, go to work. Get us two points right now with two minutes to go in fourth. And I think Okafor is that guy. Like, I would really like Boston to go get, um, oh, what's the point guard? The point guard from Providence, Chris Dunn. But they already have 
Um, is it Marcus Smart? And then they have Terry Rozier that they just drafted um, last year. So also have Isaiah Thomas. Oh, and Isaiah Thomas. So it doesn't make sense for them to do that. I don't know. Buddy Heal would be a really good pick there too, because I don't know how many years Avery Bradley can oh, stay. Oh, jeez, I don't, I don't know athletes until they get to the NBA. Yeah, okay. I don't really follow the. You gotta, you gotta watch the college game to figure out who's gonna go next. Uh, I went to D three school. Screw college games. Well, aren't you're going to George Mason, right? I am. D one school. Go watch, go watch your. Uh, I forget what they're called. I think they're the Patriots. I don't know what they're called either. No, leader, leader, Kevin does not uh, go watch a, a college game. He goes and plays. <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read up. I'm gonna read up. I'll start understanding this college game too. I mean, the only guys I really don't know about are gonna be like the D2 prospects and then the, um, international? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, what the Bender dude. I don't know too much about his game, but I've never been high on European players just cause Number one, the competition isn't as good as um, the NCAA. Number two, there's not enough film on those guys, so you really don't know what it's like. But, I mean, don't you want to be the GM that hits on the next Dirk Nowitzki? Yeah, but how many of those guys do you get? Not even just European guys. I'm talking about just guys in general. Think of all the European players who sucked. And I'm not just talking about European. I'm talking about, like, international Barnyani comes to my mind. <laughs> He's just too good of a player. Andrea Barnyani, Bismack Biombo, Darko Milicic. Hey, look yep. at a, a recent one that turned out about Giannis. Andrea yeah, Kumpo I mean, was a steal. He was picked like what, probably in the teams or something, right? He's probably the best yeah. player in that draft. Yeah, I give you Giannis. I give you Porzingis. Yes, it's so early on Porzingis. He he kind of. I don't know, flamed out towards the second half of the season. Well, I, think this, I, I think it's just because of how long the NBA season is. It's so much longer than the European League, and he's just not used to it. Uh, I, I, I mean, think a, lot of rookies, a lot of rookies have that kind of That's true. That's true. After the All-Star break. Okafor, I mean, he had injuries too, but he definitely faded as well. But yeah. um, I think yeah, we're still... Last year drafted so many great players. I don't know. This draft is really deep. That's why I'm really intrigued to see what happens. I mean, you've got... Um, an interesting group of both young guys and older guys for probably one of the first times. Hmm. Obviously, we'll see a bunch of the young guys get drafted, like Simmons and Ingram and uh, Jamal Murray. Yeah. And then you've got uh, Buddy Heal, Chris Dunn, Denzel Valentine, juniors and seniors in this draft. Kevin, you have this look that makes you have this perplexed look. Oh, can you see my face? Yeah, I can see you for some reason. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm scrolling through this NBA mock draft and my CBS Sports. It's like I don't recognize a single name on here after Ben Simmons and uh, Brandon Ingram. Me either. I don't really know too much about the NBA draft. Jalen Brown. Who else is there? That Bender guy that we talked about earlier. Deontay Davis from Michigan State. Tyler Gillis. I, I guess me and Kevin is not that educated in that uh, in the. When it comes to the draft, I mean, I just watch. I mean, I just enjoy college basketball more, I think, than the NBA. So that's why. Oh, really? I, yeah, and it's not because the basketball is better, because it's not. It's just I just like the. I mean, I just I just like the college atmosphere more. So I guess another thing we can talk about since me and Kevin don't just don't know the NBA draft too much. 
is the prediction for the next season. Because actually some interesting news came out today. Uh, Kevin Durant, if he leaves OKC, he pers- pre- prefers to play for the Golden State Warriors. Same with Dirk. <laughs> Dirk. He opted He's out of his contract. Same well, with who? Dirk always opts uh-huh. out of his contract. That's so that the Mavs have more cap space. Okay. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think Durant's gonna leave. He's gonna sign a one year and try to maximize his money for next year. Chances LeBron James leaves Cleveland. He delivered on the promise, so he's not gonna be you know held accountable for that anymore. Yeah, but he can't leave. <laughs> he can't leave. He can't leave. What if I LeBron think- was a Golden State? <laughs> Leader, I would just smile. He would never. Just- he would never go west. Oh, that's true. LeBron would not go west. What if he went back down to Miami, join up with his buddies again? You know what? I could actually see that. I think, though, what he'll do is he'll sign another one-year contract, wait till Chris Paul becomes a free agent. I mean, yeah. You know him, D-Wade, CP3 are like BFFs. Right. They're all going to try to go to – because – They all try to call the Knicks? (laughs) Well, Chris Paul's contract ends next year. So does um, Carmelo Anthony. And then the Heat actually – We'll have plenty of um, cap space to do something with. Oh, one of those, I think it might have been LeBron, right? Came out on social media a few months ago and said, wow, it'd be really fun to play with my best friends in the NBA on the same team. Yeah. I don't know what he was doing. Like, you play for the Cavs. He was foreshadowing. He was foreshadowing. Uh, Like, how would your teammates feel? Like, it's all. I mean, they won a championship, so I don't think they really care. Well, I don't think... I mean, but now, now he's allowed to leave, right? He delivered on his promise. He went back home and delivered on his promise, and he, you know, redeemed himself. Yeah, I think he leaves. Nobody, nobody would be pissed, like, because he he delivered his promise. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I can't think of any Cavs fan that would be pissed at LeBron. Like, he won't oh, you got those crazies out there. But yeah, yeah I, see, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, he's gonna stay because he knows that this is the best. This is the best team for him in terms of winning a championship. No other team has enough talent like Wait, this. But you're the one that just brought brought it up. 2018, CP3, Melo, LeBron, D Wade, all well, I'm in Miami. Next, I'm talking about next year. Oh, uh, next year, next year. Okay. The year after, it could be. That's when it'll get interesting. Maybe he would he would bring Tristan Thompson with him. <laughs> Tristan Thompson played his heart out in the finals. He did. Yeah, but he's, he he's under contract for four or five years, and his contract's too big to move. No, LeBron plays GM. He he can move that contract. He make it. He make it. Not, dude, not for Pat Riley. Nobody's above Pat Riley. LeBron traded Andrew Wiggins, traded the, the number one draft pick. He can With do what he wants. With the Cavaliers, I'm talking about the Miami Heat. Oh, uh, okay, okay, so okay. This is why he left after four years. That's just, true. Just make a super team for the Knicks. That's Forget true. Miami Heat, come to come to the Knicks. No, that he'd never go to a dysfunctional franchise like the Knicks. <laughs> he he can maybe take Sorry. over the franchise. As long as that crazy owner is there, I don't think he's ever going to go. Oh, I did want to ask you this one question, though. Mm-hmm. Do you think that coaches aren't really that important anymore? As we saw like this year, Ty Lue and the year previous, uh, Steve Kerr, were both first year or half of a year coaches that won the NBA championship. Um, They've had NBA experience is the difference. They're I've always just, thought that you need like a genius head coach like a Rick Carlisle or Brad Stevens, and that'll elevate you to like the next level, uh, or a Greg Popovich. But I think these couple of years have shown that um, just take any old guy, put three superstars around him, and um, you can win a title. 
No, but you got to look, Kevin. All those – the two guys you mentioned, Ty Lu and um, uh, Steve Kerr, no, number one, they've had plenty of NBA experience, right? Mm-hmm. They've had long careers. Number two, they all were assistant coach or no, – No, no. Steve Kerr had zero coaching experience at all. No, no, no. He, but they were all under coaches – Right, as players or assistant coaches like Ty Lue, they're all under great coaches like Greg Popovich, Phil Jackson, those kind of guys. So it's not like they were just like randos off the street. Like these guys knew what they're like. They got they know their stuff. I mean, no team is going to hire a rando off the street. Obviously, every first year coach that comes in is going to have some credentials, whether it be Unless previous coaching experience or you know um, experience with championship teams. And so forth. Um, I just, I just found it really curious that all these first-year coaches coming in just winning right away. Well, um, they do have like two pretty good teams. Um, yeah, it's true. And, and and Steve Kerr got outcoached so hard in I think in Game Seven, where he put he keeps trying to you know go big like play Izili, like when like he Izili just give me like. Like, I just wanna, I just wanna smile whenever I see him on the court. He he just he plays so bad, and like Steve Kerr kept trying to play, give him minutes in the fourth quarter, in the beginning of fourth quarter. Like he he was just getting abused everywhere. Um, like, he was confused on defense, on offense he couldn't finish. Like if you compare him to a Tristan Thompson, oh my goodness! <laughs> like first two possession of the game, just just wide open dunk, just 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 hook shot, just couldn't do anything on, on offensive end. And our defense, he was confused all the time. And when he gets fouled, he couldn't hit free throws. So I think the finals proves that uh, the real coach of the year is Luke Walton. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, he just had his press conference today with the um, the Lakers. Yeah, I saw. He's excited for the opportunity. Yeah, they're going to suck for a while. So You don't know that. They got, they got some young talent. D'Angelo... Um, Jordan Clarkson. But he's a diva. Julius Randle. I'm sure they have a high pick this year. They have a second pick. And they have a second pick? Go, oh. They're going to go grabbing for him. I mean... Isn't Paul George, like, they're going to pick up someone big or they're going to try to sign someone big from the Nah, agent? I think they're probably going to go young. Larry Bird isn't dumb enough to give up his best asset for nothing. Even if it's the second round. Even if it's the second overall pick. Yeah, but I don't know. I think the Lakers, the Lakers just need a big guy. I think they're actually going to go after Festus Azili. They got Roy Hibbert. Festus Azili. Well, Please I mean, give me a max. well, I mean, he's going to get big money. You, you can't, you can't teach size. Um, and he's going to go to a situation where he's familiar with with um, Luke Walton. So it's sure. business. I'm just saying, Luke's got more talent to work with there than he might initially think. No, 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 I definitely agree with you there. I'm just saying that the talent's going to develop. It's going to yeah, take time. Yeah, it might. It might take a couple years. Sure, I'll give you that. Although I'll say this though, the the Timberwolves job that's one I've been surprised it hasn't taken as long to rebuild. Um, but I think it's just because those two guys that they have, Wiggins and um, in Towns, are just so incredible. It just speaks to how talented. Yeah, yeah. Guys. How Anthony Towns, he he's gonna he's gonna be a superstar in the next couple of years. He he's so good. At playing basketball. Five years from now, better player, Anthony Davis or Carlton Towns? Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh, Anthony Davis if he can stay healthy. Tough one, because AD just had a really bad year. Yeah. 
but before coming to the season, everybody you know hyped him up. Uh, I'll probably say Anthony Anthony Davis for now, because I mean the Pelicans team there, they don't really have a, a point guard. Um, all those guards they just dribble, dribble, dribble. Like I watched a couple of Pelicans games, and Anthony Anthony Davis looked like uh, a bench player on that team. Like he just doesn't get touches. Um, the the what's his name? Drew Holiday. A couple games I watched. Um, what's his name? Tyreek Evans. Oh, this Evans. Guy, this guy. This this guy thinks he's like can do everything. He just dribbled the ball for twenty three seconds and jack up a shot. <laughs> so I, I think uh, Anthony Davis is just in a really bad situation um, last season. So yeah, I'm I, I'm gonna go with Anthony Davis. Although I agree. Anthony, I wouldn't I, like I wouldn't be surprised at all. Anthony Towns would be better. Like just think, yeah, Towns is a great player. I just think that. Um, Davis does more for you because of um, the, better the way his body is. Like the way his body shaped, he just does. He just fits the what the NBA is shifting to. Yeah, and it's not like he has a weakness in his game. He developed a jumper this past season. Um, I mean, his only weakness is just being healthy. He's never played a full season. Okay. Like, yeah, that's. I mean, I, I think it still counts. It's got to be a knock if you can't stay healthy. Like, the well, reason yeah, Curry only makes so little money is because for the first four seasons, he was never healthy. Right, but that's what I'm saying. As long as he can stay healthy, I think he'll be a better player. He just does, he's just more mobile. Mm hmm. I agree. Yeah. All right. What, you, what do y'all oh. think about that Derrick Rose uh, rumor about going to the Knicks? To the Knicks? Yeah. I, I do not want him. I do not want him. As a Knicks fan, I do not want him. Uh, never really liked the guy. Uh, and, like, I don't think he. I, I don't I don't understand why we we trying to get D Rose. It's not like we get D Rose we we elevate our our team to the next level. He's not the guy we want at this point. Yeah, I'll leave you a good point. He's like, so getting D Rose is obviously not building towards the future. But not only that's not even building towards the present because he's not even that good a player anymore. It's really just building towards the past if anything, trying to like sell tickets based on his name. But MSG, but we don't need to sell tickets. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to sell any tickets. Um so yeah. But he don't. I mean, you'd agree he's better than Jose Calderon. He's better than any point guard you have on the but roster. At what right cost? But yeah, that's my big thing. Is what you like? I'd rather get. They were talking about Jeff Teague earlier. I'd rather get him than. Yes. Yes. Please. I'd rather have Jeff Teague right now because I think it's going to cost less assets for you than. Because um, I think with Derrick Rose, you're going to have to trade something big. You know. Um. Even though the Bulls are probably going to sell him low, you're still going to have to give up something. Yeah, Derrick Rose's career is, is is going down, downhill, no doubt. And we Knicks should should not it's, it's dumb. But why would you be surprised if Knicks make a dumb move? I would not be surprised if Sacramento traded for him because it seems like a very Sacramento thing to do. Yeah, well, that's. Just because that front office and that owner are stupid. Wait, where's Rondo going? Is, is Rondo staying? What's Rondo's situation? He's on, he was on a one-year contract, so he's a free agent. I don't think he's going to go, or I don't think he's going to stay, because he said it was the most dysfunctional team he's ever been with. <laughs> That's coming from Rondo. <laughs> whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. He had a pretty good season last year. He did. Like, he had a good season with them. He was a, he You're was right, a but I think it was more of him betting on himself and hoping a team would sign on him. Uh, now he can get that big contract he wants. Right, because, I mean, this is after the ACL tear, and he had... The Dallas stint. Right, and he didn't get 
get along well with Brad Stevens either before they traded him to Dallas. Uh, yeah, that's right. I don't know. I think this offseason is going to be interesting, especially when July 1st comes around when the free agents can start talking. Yeah, so in this day and age, with shorter contracts. So there's a lot of free agents this year with a big salary jump. There's a lot of money to go around, so it'll be a doozy. A lot of people are going to get overpaid. For example, Harrison Baum's going to easily. They're going to get overpaid if they leave. Well, like, the biggest thing about those guys is that they're restricted free agents. So, like, the financial strategy for that is you overpay them. So, um, like, Harrison Barnes, I think the Warriors are going to match, but he's going to get overpaid, and it's going to hurt the Warriors financially. So all the other teams are going to combat with them. Yeah. All right. I guess we can talk about that in the weeks to come. Uh, I think we're going to wrap this one up. It's been over an hour already. Uh, oh, leader, I fucked up. No, 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 no. Do you, do you have any any last thoughts, LD? I just smile. <laughs> All right, teach me. Uh, babe, do you want to do want close it out? Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to another edition of the Kevin and Bay co- podcast. Um, as always, uh, Kevin, thank you for being such an amazing host and allowing us this platform to give our opinions. Thank you, LD, for joining us this week. We hope to see you on many more shows, and hopefully we can keep them consistently without you know technical difficulties from my end. Um, so thanks again, you guys. Please enjoy this podcast and come back next week where we'll be discussing more um, interesting topics and giving our takes